powerful, powerful. Would you just take a moment right where you are, just worship the Lord. Whatever way feels appropriate to you, just give him praise. Give him praise. Lord, I love you. So grateful. I'm so grateful for you. It's in you that we find our joy. It's in you that we find our joy. Even when difficulty abounds, hardship, battles, seemingly fighting for our life. And in those moments, we realize that our joy comes from you. does not come from this earth, this world, does not come to us from our jobs, our employment, our cars, our houses, our home. You can take the whole world, but as the old song says, just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. Lord, in this moment, I pray for those who are unable to be with us today. They're homesick. I've gotten reports today, <clears throat> Lord, from entire families that are fighting sickness and illness. And Lord, I know that they've joined us online today, and so I just, right now, Lord, I pray that you would send healing to the Armstrong family, and Lord, that you would heal each and every one of them. You are our healer. Lord, I pray for Letitia today, as she worships from home, fights this flu bug, Lord, that you would heal her body and essence. Lord, I pray for Jim and Kay Decker who are in the hospital today making some very difficult, difficult decisions. God, I still believe that you're a miracle worker and that you're able to heal Jim and raise him up. And so I know they're listening today. They're part of our online family, and I just pray that you'll touch him and touch Kay as she stands by her husband in this difficult time. Lord, I pray for Michaela, who's been attending our church online now for over a couple of years, needing wisdom, some decisions that need to be made. I know that you're able to help her make those. I pray for Varushka, Lord, who has been with our church now forever since I've been here, but because of physical family situation. She's unable to be here any way other than online. I pray that you'll touch her, that you'll give her the strength that she needs to give care to that child that she loves so greatly. 
Lord, I thank you that you are allowing our voice and our witness to spread beyond these four walls in greater measure than ever before. <clears throat> I'm thankful for every individual that is with us this morning here in the house. And I know that we need to gather when we can. I know that there's power in gathering with the body of Christ in the house of God. And we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves, and particularly in the last days. But Lord, there's a whole nother group of people that are out there that are with us, but they just can't be here for various reasons. But Lord, they're part of our body, and I pray for them today. And Lord, I know that Miss Donna's watching online today. And I pray that you'll strengthen her body and that you will allow the peace of God that passes all understanding to come to her and that you will calm her and bring healing, Lord, as only you can. And Lord, for all the individuals that are here this morning that are facing difficulties in their life, I pray, Lord, that you will touch them and give them the strength, the knowledge, the understanding, the wisdom that they need. And Lord, I know that what we're about to do right now as we turn to your word is going to be powerful. It's going to be a powerful time. I believe it. And I know it because you said that you will never release your word and allow it to return to you void, but it shall always accomplish everything that you send it forth to do. And so that promise is one that we stand upon today. <clears throat> Strengthen me. Cause my voice to come under subjection to the healing power of God and let me speak with strength and clarity today so that your word can impact our lives. And Father, we can give you praise and glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and smile real big at them while I get a sip of water? <coughs> Make them wonder what you're up to. Before I preach, I just want to take a moment and say thank you to all of our young people that have been participating over the last three weeks. They have done such a phenomenal job. Our kids today, I, I'd hate to think I had to do that. <laughs> I, there was a time when I could do it very easily, uh, but as I have gotten older and my hair has turned grayer like Savannah was singing about, uh, things like that become more difficult for me, but I'm so grateful for our young people, aren't you? And uh, we appreciate them so much participating. Well, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 10 today, and um, I've been preaching to you for the last five weeks what I've called Conquering with Courage, a journey with Joshua. For the last five weeks, we've been in different segments of the book of Joshua Chapter 10 is absolutely one of my favorite uh, uh, chapters, not only in Joshua, but probably in the entire Old Testament. I just love what takes place in Joshua chapter 10. 
And so we're going to look at the first 15 verses of Joshua chapter 10 today and see some of the wonderful things that God performs in the lives of His people. Now next week, Pastor John is going to come and he's going to be preaching the last message in our series on Joshua and he's going to clean up all the mess that I've made over the last previous five weeks and he's going to be taking us out and then we'll go into February with some new thoughts and some new ideas. I always thoroughly enjoy the preaching ministry of Pastor John and I know that you will uh, you know him well now, and he always brings a powerful and, and uh, revelatory word for us. And so be here next week, but until then, I'm the best you've got this morning. So Joshua chapter 10, thank you for your word, Lord. So how many of you know that sometimes God just gets downright ridiculous? I mean, he does things that are just out of the ordinary. He does things that absolutely blow our mind even in the midst of moments and seasons when we have uh, when we've made poor decisions and poor choices. But God loves us even when we make bad decisions. How many of you know that? Last week we talked about the sin of Israel and Achan and how that he stole from goods that Israel was not to have in their possession, but he stole them, and then he didn't tell anybody about it, and because of his sin, it created an environment in Israel where God could not do what God had promised to do until they dealt with the sin, and of course, we know that they did, and afterwards, God was able to bless them in a way that gave them the victory over what they had lost when they had the sin in the camp. Today here we are in chapter 10 and Israel and Joshua are still making poor decisions. Does it ever seem like our life sometimes that we make a poor decision and we learn from it and we say, oh God, I'm sorry I did that and I'm glad, I'm sorry that I made that choice and I'll never do that again. Have you ever told God that? If you'll forgive me this time, I'll never do that again. And then six weeks down the road, here you have done it again. And, and, and maybe you've built on it or maybe it's a different variation from it. And, and, and you find yourself coming back and having to deal with cleaning up a mess that you've made simply because you made a poor choice. So today in Joshua chapter 10, we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to talk about how God helped them to move through that. So I have four ideas that I want to leave with you this morning, and we're going to look at Joshua chapter 10, verses 1 through 5 first. And if you'll join me there, we'll read it. Joshua chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. It says, now it came about when Adonazedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had captured Ai and had utterly destroyed it, just as he had done to Jericho and its king, so he had done to Ai and its king, and that the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were within their land that he feared greatly. Because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and, and all of its men were strong. Therefore, Adonab Zedek, king of Jerusalem, 
sent word to Hoham, king of Hebron, and to Piram, the king of Jarmuth, and to Japhia, king of Lachish, and to Debir, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me that we may attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the sons of Israel. So the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon gathered together, and they went up, they with all their armies, and they camped by Gibeon and fought against it. Now, here's the first point that I want to make to you this morning. It is that there are consequences from inadvisable partnerships. There are times in life that we partner ourselves with people that we have no business being in partnership with. Now, let me give you the backstory here. There was this nation that we read about, Gibeah, who came to Joshua and tried to work a deal with him. They wanted to be able to get protection from Israel and Joshua, but they lied to him by saying, we will come and we will serve you. It will be a benefit to you for you to be in alliance with us. And we're going to uh, we're, we're going to do the work for you. We're going to plant the crops for you. We're going to bring the harvest in for you. We're going to do everything that you would normally have to do for yourself, but we're going to do it because we're going to be partners with you. They told Joshua that they were a nation from far away, but the reality is they lived just down the street from Joshua and the nation of Israel. But He did not know that. And the whole point here is that Gibeon wanted protection from Israel. And so they lied to Joshua and lied to the Israeli leaders in an effort to come into a partnership with them so that when they needed protection, that Joshua would be committed to that relationship. And so Joshua, having been lied to, And Joshua, having been deceived, entered into this relationship with the Gibeon people and he came into covenant with them. It was a poor choice. It was a bad decision. And he would later learn that he was going to have to pick up some burdens of being in a relationship with them that he would not have had to carry had he trusted God for everything. Listen now, there are times that we make these kinds of decisions because they, we think they're going to work out for good. But oftentimes that is not the case. In fact, we can see at least four things here that went wrong when Joshua came into partnership with the Gibeons. The first thing is, it was simply contrary to God's commandments. God had not permitted him to come into partnership with them or with anyone else for that matter because God wanted to be their resource. God wanted them to trust him and not be in partnership with other people. The second thing is that sometimes we just rely on our own human understanding. Now, isn't it true So many things that God asks of us makes absolutely no sense to our natural way of thinking. 
I mean, we think about it and we think, well, you know, maybe I could see it working like this and I could see it working like that and working like this or working like that. And we try to figure out how this is going to benefit us and how God is going to do what God says he's going to do. And we actually think our way out of a blessing because we try to make it work on our own Rather than just saying, God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but you said you'd do it, and so I'm going to trust you on the journey and believe that you will do it the way you want to do it when the time is right, and it will bring glory to your name, and it will not bring glory to these partnerships that we have created with other people. And then we understand that Joshua saw this as an opportunity to have a military partner. And so he was thinking that, well, if one nation can fight, think how great it would be if we had a second nation that could fight. And so we can join together. But that was not the case at all. In fact, he realized in just a little bit, we'll see, that there were five kings that wanted to destroy Gibeon. And because of his partnership with them, he had to help fight the battle. And Israel was stronger than Gibeon. And so Israel bore the weight of this battle. Where if they had not been in relationship with them in partnership, then he would not have been responsible for fighting that war and fighting that battle. And so sometimes we make poor decisions. And then the last thing is, is we have to understand the spiritual consequences. God had chosen Israel to be his own people. God didn't choose every nation at that point. Israel was, and by the way, still is, God's beloved. And we should always stand with Israel because when we stand with Israel, we stand with God. But Israel was God's choice people, and he did not promise to be the God of other nations. He said to Israel, you shall be my people, I shall be your God. And so when they made a decision, it brought a spiritual component into their life that that was not needed and it was not necessary. Now, I want to say this as lovingly as I can and as quickly as I can, but there are times in our lives that we make choices of bringing other people into our lives when God has clearly said to steer clear of this. If you don't believe that, read Psalm chapter 1. Blessed are those who walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, I realize that we have to rub shoulders and elbows with the ungodly, but we should always interact with those people from a perspective that Christ lives and dwells within us, and we are to represent Christ upon this earth. We cannot simply never come in contact with ungodly people. But we should always be in contact with people like that from a godly vantage point. Another thing is that God tells us very clearly in his word that we are not to be yoked together with unbelievers in marriage, in relationship, that we are not. Look, it doesn't matter to me how sexy she is or how buff he looks. 
if they are not godly men or women, we have no business entering into a partnership with them. When we do that, when we, when we choose to not obey the word and the guidelines of God, it will always bring difficulty into our lives. It always will. So the better choice is for us to keep ourselves holy before God. To keep ourselves before God in such a place that He can bless us. And He won't have to be moving around all these partnerships that we have created that He told us in the beginning, stay away from this because this will bring harm and difficulty into your life. And that brings me to my second point because we live in a world now that our idea now is just, well, if it doesn't work out, I can just walk away. I don't have to stay married, for instance, to someone that if I don't want to. It, it doesn't matter if they're a Christian. It doesn't matter if they're a nice person. It doesn't matter about this, that, or the other. I just don't love them anymore, and I just don't feel like I want to stay in this relationship but that's not what God teaches us to do. He teaches us that once we have made a commitment and entered into a partnership, we are to remain in that partnership and let God use us to bring glory to his name through it. So we don't have the right to just walk away. You say, well, how did you get that out of this passage of Scripture? Well, thank you for asking. Joshua chapter 10, verse 6 through 9. Then the men of Gibeon sent word to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal saying, Do not abandon your servants. Do you see that? Don't walk away from us. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites that live in the hill country have assembled against us. So Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him and all the valiant warriors. And the Lord said to Joshua, Don't be afraid of them, for I have given them into your hands. Not one of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came up on them suddenly by marching all night from Gilgal. Now, when Gibeon called upon Joshua, he said, the nation said, don't abandon us now. We're your servants. We're in partnership with you. Don't abandon us. And Joshua knew that because of this ill-advised partnership that he was obligated to go to war and do battle on behalf of Gibeon. You find yourself sometimes fighting battles and you think, if I'd have made a different choice 10 years ago, 5 years ago, I'm dealing with health issues in, in, in my life. And if, if I just hadn't eaten so much cake and Little Debbie's when I was a kid, you know, maybe I wouldn't be dealing with some of these issues. But how many of you know that we make poor choices sometimes? But once we've made these kind of choices that tie us together in a partnership, we don't really represent God well when we just walk away. Now, let me just say, there are some situations, particularly when it comes to marriages, where it's ill-advised to remain in the marriage when the other spouse is acting the foolish ways that they're acting. 
they could be bringing home venereal diseases and things of that nature because of their straying ways. They could be abusive in their language and in, in their physicality. And I've dealt with women through the years in the churches where I've pastored that came to my office and they, they had broken ribs and bruised faces and black eyes and say, you know, my, my spouse did this to me. Listen, you do have to use some wisdom. But what I'm talking about here is just saying, well, this is inconvenient for me. And I, I just think this is just something that does not uh, light my fire anymore. And so I'm just going to decommit. It, it's like college sports and athletics these days. You can commit to one college, and then next week you can decommit and commit somewhere else because you discovered that there was more money available at that school than this school. So we decommit. We live in a society of decommitting. It's not only in sports, but it's all around our world. And what I'm telling you is, is that Joshua understood, I made a covenant before God and entered into this partnership, even though it was ill-advised, we have to fight with them now. And so he entered into the battle. He decided that he would uphold his commitment. He decided that he would prioritize the well-being of others. How many of you would agree with me that we live in a very selfish society? It's me first. It's what can I get out of this? Sometimes the best thing that can happen is when we stop thinking about ourselves and start thinking about someone else. One of the reasons that God hates divorce the way that he does is because of the pain and the suffering that is inflicted upon other people. Oh, you may have found your liberty and you may have found your freedom, but what about that spouse that you left? What about those children now who no longer have a dad or no longer have a mother that is in the home? Now, I know I've pastored long enough to know that there are always circumstances and sometimes you've got to take that into consideration. But I'm just talking about this nonchalant feeling of, I don't like the way this is playing out, and so therefore I'm going to prioritize me, 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 rather than worrying about anyone else. And Joshua refused to do that. He said, we're in commitment with Gibeon, whether we should have or whether we wanted to, we are, and we're going to go fight this battle. And then God speaks to him, and God says, go ahead and fight this battle, because I'm going to make sure that you win this battle, and they will not be able to stand before you. I will fight with you and on your behalf. Aren't you glad to know that God will fight for us, and that God is on our side, and if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen we got to realize that some of the most difficult things that we'll ever face in our life have to crumble and fall just like the walls at Jericho when God begins to move on our behalf. We have a great, big, awesome, mighty God on our side. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. Praise the Lord. And so now verses 10 through 14 talk to us about the ridiculous requests that God will sometimes honor in our life. 
say ridiculous. Let's look at this, beginning at verse 10. And the Lord confounded them before Israel, and he slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, and pursued them by way of the ascent of Beth Horon, and struck them as far as Azekah and Makeda. As they fled from Israel, while they were at the descent of Beth Horon, the Lord threw large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than those whom the sons of Israel killed with the sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the sons of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, O son, stand still at Gibeon, and O moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still. Isn't that cool? And the moon stopped until the nation avenged themselves and their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Joshua? And the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. There was no day like that before it or after it when the Lord listened to the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. Did you get that? I mean, you talk about some ridiculous stuff here. This is ridiculous stuff. But let me just point out to you that the ridiculous stuff always starts in God's mind. Our ways are not high enough to understand what God has planned. God will get the ball rolling and then he expects us to join him in faith. Now, as I was studying for this a few weeks ago and then again this week, it just dawned on me that God decided, all right, they made a poor choice, but they're still my people. I still love them with an everlasting love. I've still promised that I'm going to be with them. I've still promised that I'm going to see them through. I have still promised that I'm going to take them out of where they were and bring them to where they need to be. And I have not changed my mind about that. And so even though they faltered, they faltered and they failed, I'm going to join at this situation and fight on behalf of my people. How many of you are glad that God fights for his people. Amen. And just when we think that we've got him all figured out, God does some ridiculous thing that causes us to scratch our heads and say, where in the world did God think of that? How did he come up with that? You might be thinking, well, what are you talking about, Pastor? God started this fight with the enemies, the five kings, and you know how he started it? God threw rocks at the enemy. God threw rocks at the enemy, just like these guys are throwing rocks at you right now. Can you say, here comes one, boom. Here comes another one, boom. There's another one. God threw hailstones from the heavens at the enemy. It's interesting that he didn't hit any of the Israelites. 
He didn't do any damage whatsoever. I know some of you wanting to pick them up and throw them at somebody right now. If you want to, just go ahead and knock yourself out. There you go. There they come. Uh, Jamie is sitting there holding that thing. Here comes another one. And God decided, I'm taking control of this. I'm going to set the tone in this battle, and I'm going to let them know right now that there's nothing I can't do. Anything they can think of, I can think of something better than that. Any, no matter how big they can dream, I can dream bigger. And I am going to start this fight in such a way that it will make an impact upon the enemy. And the scripture very clearly says that he started raining down hailstorms or hailstones upon the enemy. And the Bible goes on to tells us that more died from the hailstones than died from the swords of the Israelites. Isn't that amazing to me? Listen, anything you can do, God can do better. You remember that old song, anything my dog can do, you, you know, my dog can do better, whatever it is. Let me just tell you that no matter what the enemy thinks he can do against you, the God that I serve is greater. The God that I serve has more strength. He's got greater ideas, better ideas. When you've exhausted every idea that you think you can come up with, I want you to know that God hasn't even begun to think yet. He has things that he will do in the midst of his people to bring the victory if we will just trust him. And then in the midst of these hailstorms coming down, the hailstones, and, and people dying everywhere because God is throwing rocks at them, Joshua got full of faith. And right in the middle of the battle, Joshua didn't go off to the side and say, let's just stand over and let God do it. I mean, it looks like God's having a bad day today. Let's just let him get the, the full effect of this. He didn't go off to the side and do that. He, he didn't go to anybody and say, look what God's doing. Isn't this cool? No, that's not what he did at all. The Bible says in the middle of the mess, in the middle of the battle, Joshua started praying. And he prayed a ridiculous prayer. And that's one of the points that I want you to see today. Some of us are just... I mean, we just pray these little puny prayers that have no power whatsoever and, no, and we don't even expect God to do anything at all. And we just give glory to Satan by our lack of faith when we are praying when what we need to be doing is saying, Devil, I just want you to know already. I don't know how God's going to do it. I don't know when he's going to do it, but I'm here to tell you uh, that this book guarantees that God is always going to win. He's always going to come through on our behalf. He'll do the miraculous if he must. Uh, he will do things that have never been seen or never been known before. For God is not limited by, by any of our thinking. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power of God that works in us. He is able. Well, somebody ought to stand up right now and give God a hand clap of praise for what he has already done in your life. Come on, stand up with me and let's give God praise in the house. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 
And I know you got excited because you thought I was done, but I'm not. Sit back down. Now, let me tell you something. When God starts throwing rocks, there's going to be a phase two in the battle, and it's going to include us. There's a Joshua in the middle of the battle. He said, son, and I want you to notice, he spoke to the sun. He spoke to the sun. He spoke to the moon, and he said, stand still. Now, why in the world would Joshua pray and believe that the sun was going to stand still and that the moon was going to stand still. As I thought about it and prayed about it, I asked the Lord, and you know the Holy Spirit will teach us all things, right? You know that. He will renew our mind. He will help us to understand why certain things happen in Scripture. And here's what I believe. I believe that Joshua knew that this battle needed to end today. It doesn't need to go another day. It doesn't need to go another moment beyond today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of deliverance. Today is the day that I'm ridding my soul and my spirit of this situation. Today is the day that this sickness and this disease is going to bow its knees to the word of God and the promises of God. Today is the day. And if the sun goes down, we're going to lose an opportunity to continue fighting a battle where we are showing great progress. We're winning this thing. We're in control of this thing. God's on our side. God's throwing rocks over here and killing more than we can slay with the Spirit and with the sword, but we're bringing them down. And today is the day. Some of you need to get a today is the day kind of spirit on you. Some of you need to just start by faith saying, I've fought this thing long enough. I've battled this thing long enough. With God on my side, today is the day that I'm bringing it down. It's coming down in the name of Jesus, just like the walls at Jericho fell down when they shouted before they even went forward. God is able to give us the power to end it today. For every one of us, it may be something entirely different. For every one of us, it may be a relationship problem. It, 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 it may be a sickness or an illness. It may be an employment situation. It may be a financial situation. It may be a, an attitude that you have. It may be something. I don't know. Everybody's a little different. But let me tell you, God is the same for all of us. He is able to supply the need for each and every one of us. And we need to just draw a line in the sand and say, today is the day. And because of the faith of Joshua, son, don't you go another inch. Don't you? We're busy. We're doing God's work here. We don't have time to be distracted. If you go down, this enemy's going to escape away from us in the darkness. We may never find them again. They may never be assembled on a battlefield like they are assembled on this battlefield. And so we can't let the enemy get away. We can't let this move in that direction. So, son, stand still. And while you stand still, we're going to fight until this battle is over. Some of you 
I think you've got it in your faith bank right now. I think you're just thinking if you'll ever just stop preaching, I'm going to start calling on this thing to come to a conclusion today. In Jesus' name, we're going to get the job done. Are you ready to get the job done? I'm ready. Now, there's one final thing that I want to share with you today. We all fight battles. We all have different kinds of battles. But when God helps us to win the battle, there's one final step that we have to take, and it's this. We have to understand that divine victory brings rest for our bodies and for our souls. Brings rest. You say, where'd you get that? Well, look at verses 14 and 15. The battle is over. They're wrapping it up. The sportscasters are talking about how terrible Louisville was. They're analyzing it all. They're all on live TV telling about how bad it was. That's what they're doing here. They're giving the wrap-up, the summation in verses 14 and 15. And here's what they said. They said, there was no day like that before it. There was no day like it after it. When the Lord listened to the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. And then they said, then Joshua and all of Israel with him returned to the camp at Gilgal. Now we sometimes would just pass that over. They went to the camp at Gilgal. Joshua and all those who were with him. There are two things that we've got to realize at the end of the battle. First of all, there will never be a day like it again. It cannot be repeated. It might look the same. It might feel the same. But God takes care of every battle in a unique way. And they said God had never done what he did before. And he said there's never been a day like it. This was a unique way that God moved. Can I tell you that some of you, you're hoping that God will do something in your life and your situation that looks like it did when he did it in that person's life and in that situation. God is not obligated to duplicate your miracle in the same way that he did it for someone else. And you know, only human thinking would say, well, wouldn't God run out of ways? Wouldn't, wouldn't God run out of ideas? See, somebody who thinks that way doesn't understand that God is omniscient. He is omnipotent. He is omnipresent. He can be anywhere at the same time, and He can think of all things immediately and he can do all things he has the power to do whatever he wants whenever he wants to do it and if he wants to do something in a unique way he can do it and he doesn't need your permission I don't know how many times in my own life that I've thought okay God's going to do it like this but then when God did it he did it some way entirely different than I had even thought never even thought that God would do it this way so listen, if you need God to move on your behalf, set him free to do it however he wants to do it. 
He's not going to embarrass you. He's not, he, not going to cut you down. He's not going to make you look bad. He's going to do what needs to be done in such a way that it will glorify His name and will build you stronger in faith. And then the other thing is they went back home to Gilgal. Sometimes we just need to rest. I've, I've known you now for a long time. And I can tell just like can, I can tell about myself. There are times that I just get tired of fighting battles. I just get worn out. And we fight and we pray. We pray in our natural language. We pray in tongues. We pray in the Spirit. We pray with our mind and we pray with, with the Spirit. And we just, we fight. We fast. We stay up all night trying to win the battle. And I'm telling you that there are times that we just get tired. And you know what happens when we get tired? Our attitude starts going south. We start thinking things that we would have never thought just even a few months ago. We start saying things because it feels good to say it. And we don't realize the damage that we may be doing to someone else. It's because we're tired. And it's because we've grown weary in well-doing. And the Bible says, if you won't grow weary in well-doing, you will reap in due season. We forget about reaping in due season because our flesh is only thinking about right now. And we get tired. And you know what the answer is in those moments? We need to go home to Gilgal. We need to go back to Gilgal and get in our prayer closet and get into the Word of God and allow the Spirit of God to rise up. Oh, we'll fight again. We'll we'll have another fight that we'll have to battle against. I remember preaching several, it's been a few years ago that I, I preached to you out of the Old Testament and there's a phrase in there that says, and they never saw another Egyptian again. And I, and I preached about the Egyptians are gone. You'll never see another Egyptian in your life. And you can just go a couple chapters over. And it very clearly says, and the Egyptians came back. How many of you know that there are Egyptians everywhere? I mean, there are Egyptians that we'll fight this week and God will give us a victory and then we'll get to rest. And then another group of Egyptians will come and we'll have to fight again. Listen, there will never be a day in your life on this earth that you don't have battles that you'll anticipate and eventually have to fight. And so that's why it's important that when you're not fighting a battle, you need to rest. You need to get to a place where God can just breathe out His Holy Spirit upon you and inspire you and strengthen you and let you rest. Because you'll have to fight again. And Israel did fight again. 
They fought many more times again, but not today. I'm going to Gilgal. I'm going to have some meatloaf or pot roast, whatever mama's got in the crock pot tonight. That's what I'm going to have. <clears throat> I'm not eating at McDonald's on my way back to Gilgal. I'm going to wait because I know that somebody's got a meal for me when I get there. I'm going to sleep in my own bed tonight. I'm going to get a clean set of clothes on. I've been smelling these boys I've been fighting with for a long enough time now that I have to wear a clothespin on my nose because they stink so bad but not tonight in Gilgal I'm going to go home and I'm going to change out of these rags and I put on some royal clothing and I'm going to rise up again and rest and be encouraged by the spirit of God sometimes we just need to rest stand with me if you will